Uh. <laughs> get together, have a few laughs. Uh oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Lady, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that until we come and get you. Hello, and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a film podcast about the multitude of works by Bruce Willis. My name is Kendrick Martin, and with me, as always, is. Josh Carter. And Josh, this is episode one. It is. It feels like we're breaking new ground, just uh, totally where no one has gone before. I, I think we're the first people that have ever seen this movie. Yeah, not only that, but we're the first people to ever podcast. Oh, absolutely. I don't think other people know what podcasting is. Like, yeah. they're yeah, like, that- wait, you record voices with that thing? I've only been using it to do little songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's so, a pretty pretty yeah. clever name, though, podcast. It is. It, it makes a lot of sense because you have the cast part where you're sending it out to other people and then the pod part from podcast. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, uh, it is a podcast where we are going to go through all of the different movies that Bruce Willis has made. Uh, so today we're going to be all starting... All of them? Yeah, every one of them. I don't think... Everyone that counts, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, seeing as though this is episode one, it'd be a real bummer if uh, we get we get to episode two and like it's a movie that's been erased. Um, yeah. I, I, well, I, don't I was know. just saying we might want to tell people that we're not doing the like Bruce Willis is a guy in the bar and that was it. In yeah. The so that, 1985 that, is, movie. that is a good point. If you look at his IMDb yeah. page, which I have actually done a lot today it has a handful of movie roles before the movie we're talking about today but he is like walk on in a twilight zone episode and didn't seem germane to our conversation another point i wanted to make is he starred in the tv show moonlighting uh which apparently is about a private investigator uh named Mm -hmm. named daryl moonlight i assume from the name but that TV show is impossible to find. It is not on any streaming service. There are no DVDs for sale. I found miscellaneous seasons on eBay for multiple hundreds of dollars. So mm-hmm. we're not going to be covering the TV show Moonlighting. Unless somebody wants to mail it to us, in which case we will methodically go through that entire series. Uh, yeah. And do, uh, yeah. I would, I would guess at some point about it. No joke. I would actually really want to watch that show because everything I hear about it is that it's uh, pretty funny. Uh, speaking of mailing us, Josh, do you know how people could mail us electronically? Yeah. Um, shoot us a fax at uh, williswaypod at gmail.com um, or follow us on Twitter at williswaypod. Nice. So... Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about a movie that came out in 1987. Do you know what else came out in 1987? Uh, Me. I did. Um, you, you came out in 1987. Yeah, I was born in 1987. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I came out into the earth is what I meant to say. I see. I see. You now identify as person. Yeah, I'm yeah. E- existing. The other thing that happened in 1987 was WrestleMania 3, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. But 
instead of that, people went to the movies and they went to see the movie Blind Date. Now, Josh, did you know yeah. what other movies came out in 1987? Uh, you know, I sure should have looked that up. No, I don't. <laughs> Tell me what, what movies came out in 1987. So this movie came out in uh, March of 1987, I want to say. Yeah, late, late March, mm-hmm. I believe. Prior to Blind Date, uh, some hits you may have heard of called Lethal Weapon, okay. uh, Platoon. Ooh, I've heard of that. Also, the, that came out this in 1987 was Beverly Hills Cop 2, Predator, mm-hmm. and RoboCop. Wow. wow. So I feel like this was a wow, pretty wow, st- wow. this was a pretty stellar year uh, as far as 80s movies oh. go. And uh, Running Man and The Princess Bride came out in 87 as well. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What it was a year. Good, it was a good year for releases. And Blind Date was the number one release for the one weekend it came out. So, Wow. Wow. All the way to the top, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read the IMDb description of Blind Date. It is a workaholic needs a date for a dinner with a new important clientele. But who his brother sets him up with could lead to disaster. Mm. Yeah, so what we're going to do on this uh, podcast is we're just going to start out and then do the kind of read over the movie plot real quick. And then we'll start going into our thoughts about it. So I have many thoughts about this movie, but I'm going to go ahead and read over kind of the description of it on the Wikipedia article so that we can have a little bit of context for it. Cause I'm guessing that most people won't have seen this movie. All That's right. Pr- so true. yeah, probably. So Walter Davis, Bruce Willis allows his brother, Ted, Phil Hartman to set him up on a blind date with his wife's cousin, Nadia, Kim Bassinger. Nadia is shy and the two experience some awkwardness. However, as the evening goes on, Nadia begins to drink and behave in a wild manner. A warning about her behavior under the influence of alcohol had been given by Ted's wife, but when Ted relayed the mes- message to Walter, he made it sound like a joke and strongly hinted that Walter might actually benefit from giving her alcohol. To make matters worse, Nadia's jealous ex-boyfriend David, played by John Laroquette, La- 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 I don't know what his name is. Laroquette. John LaRoquette shows up and exacerbates the situation by stalking the couple all night, assaulting and attempting to assault Walter several times, even ramming Walter's car with his own. Walter ends up being driven insane by Nadia's mishaps and David's pursuit. She gets him fired at the dinner. His car is destroyed after wrecking havoc at a party. Walter gets arrested for menacing David with a mugger's revolver. He even forces David to do a moonwalk before firing at the frightened man's feet. Nadia posts $10,000 in bail and agrees to marry David if he will help Walter avoid prison time. Before the wedding, Walter gives Nadia chocolates filled with brandy and attempts to sabotage the marriage. Chaos ensues. In the end, Nadia humiliates David by rejecting him to the delight of their guests as she and Walter decide to give their relationship another shot. The final scene shows Nadia and Walter on their honeymoon on a beach with a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola chilling instead of champagne. Wonderful. So, yeah, that's that's the movie. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got so many thoughts on this movie. Uh, um, 
before yeah. but what was this your first time seeing this i assume it was absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> and uh did you go in uh i don't want to make a blind watch joke but uh, i'm gonna leave it yeah. leave it there but did you know anything did you look up the plot or anything about the movie before you watched it I literally, here's how much I knew about the movie. Once I started watching it, I was like, man, this guy like is totally just trying to be Phil Hartman. That's really sad. Wait a second. His voice sounds a lot like Phil Hartman. Oh my God, it's Phil Hartman. So that's how much I knew about this movie before I went into it. So I knew nothing. I, I went in totally without any sort of a foreknowledge about it. I'm the same. And I, the only thing I knew was, when you when I, I watched this movie on VOD and when I was going to to purchase it, it shows the presumably the box cover of the movie poster. And it is Bruce Willis in like a very haggard suit that's all torn up and covered in dirt. And there's like some mm. qu- some quip that is coming out of a speech bubble saying something about uh, how hard his life is. And does anyone have ten thousand dollars? So oh, yeah. that's all I knew before going into this. <laughs> and uh, just right off the bat, that's an interesting thing you point out is how many famous names are in this movie because yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Bruce Willis's first starring role and he's coming out of the Moonlighting fame, which at the time, I don't think... Uh, when, I, when I was reading a review on... Um, Bruce Willis's career, they talked about how few actors of that time made the television to movie transition. It was basically Bruce Willis and George Clooney, who were big TV stars in the 80s and kind of transitioned that to Hollywood movies. Um, Interesting. So it was it was pretty fascinating. I was I was just kept going like, oh, my gosh, what other famous characters are we going to see in this movie? Uh our uh, our boy Armin Shimmerman was in it for like a hot second. You're referring to D Space Nine's Quark. Our, yeah, everyone's favorite Ferengi Quark was a uh, a French waiter in it, and it looks like he prepared really well for the role because he had to learn a bunch of French things, or he speaks French. I'm guessing he doesn't, but yeah, uh, you never know. Um, that was the the scene at the diner, um, which we'll be talking about later. I'm sure. Uh, was definitely one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Another bit of trivia for you on this movie. Did you know that when it was originally written, this movie was written intended to star Madonna and Sean Penn, uh, who had... I did know that. Recently gotten married. roommate told me that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... That's crazy. They couldn't find a director for the movie, and so they backed out, and then the movie kind of languished until Blake Edwards picked it up. Um, and who recast uh, Bruce Willis and Kim Basinger. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, do you think this, how different of a movie this would be if it had starred Sean Penn and Madonna? You know, I'm not actually sure. Like, I think that uh, Kim Basinger did a really, really great job. So I don't really think I could have seen Madonna doing as well. Sean Penn's like an actor's actor, though. So, I don't know. I feel like Sean Penn would have done the guy part better, and then Madonna would have done the girl part worse. So, if I'm if I'm being real, um, that's fair. 
uh, I think most of my complaints came from the way the characters were written. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think the Nadia character was kind of hamstrung by the way she was written. And I don't know if Madonna had played that role would have been written differently, but I thought you're right. Kim Basinger's performance was like very excellent. Yeah. She was really good in the movie. I thought I, Bruce Willis is a little bit all over the board for me in the movie. Like when he's going crazy, like two thirds of the way through the movie, I was like, not really buying it. His whole, like ruining her whole, like party thing because she ruined his thing. I just wasn't really buying it at all. And like, he seemed like he was in like a different, he was going phasing in and out of different movies throughout. It feels like it's so different tonally throughout where like the, there's like definitely a romance movie. And then there's like a very menacing, like ex-boyfriend is hunting you down to make you get into like some weird, like marriage thing where the only reason why he wants that is just to, just to have sex with you. And then there's also like a very silly like 1950s or 1940s like um uh what are they called like the the mishap the mishap movies like things are getting mixed up and stuff like that. God, what is the what is the term for that? I'll remember it at some point. Okay, <laughs> you keep going. Okay, <laughs> uh, you're right. Bruce Willis' character does seem all over the place. So at the beginning. He's playing a fairly down-to-earth businessman. And they make a point of showing how into his work he is. He's the only one who's spending Mm -hmm. the entire night at the office preparing those reports. Which, first of all, the opening of this movie, I just cannot get over the 80s of it all. Yes. The... the, (laughs) uh, I recently watched Working Girl... Uh, with screwball comedy that's what i'm talking about oh okay yeah 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 uh yeah yeah. so i recently watched working girl with um harrison ford and also Mm -hmm. also set in this around the same time and it is a reminded me of how many 80s movies exist or even even early 90s movies where the characters work in the most genero office and they just seem to do like <laughs> office things. I know that Bruce Willis's character has something to do with financial funds and he's moving money around for that Japanese yeah. businessman. But other than that, it is like you have no idea what his job is. You just know that he has a lot of reports he has to make and a lot of pie charts that he has to get up on that yeah. screen. And it's definitely not important enough to the screenwriters to tell us. No, exactly. Exactly. So we don't know. <laughs> and th- that's what so, yeah. that's what is like. So it's very common in those movies is just mm-hmm. just you just need to know that they're working at the business. Yeah, <laughs> I work at the business factory. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> business. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's exactly what it feels it's like. like. <laughs> it's like, Johnson, get those reports done. We have a client. Um but so Bruce Willis oh, right, right away, sir. Well, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Bruce Willis goes from that character to uh his like like home alone kid at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. At the end of the movie, there's a 
what what a oh. it's like a twenty minute long scene. It is straight out of uh, straight out of like a Three Stooges movie where they're opening doors, closing doors, running across hallways. Very different from like nerd Bruce Willis at the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah, it's the last like twenty minutes is tonally so jarring to me. It was like honestly a little bit hard to watch. I was like, how much is left of this movie? I'm like, 20 minutes? How? (laughs) I had the same thought because the movie is, I want to say 95, 96 minutes long. And I sat down and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's a good short movie. I'm not going to be overwhelmed. If this is bad, I'm not going to, I can easily make it through. And it was about that last 20 minute mark. And I was like, what? How much more can this movie have? Because <laughs> um, it even has like a little ending, like sad moment where he's like, I'm not really into life anymore. I'm just going to go back and do my guitar stuff. The bug like almost hits him as he's going across the street. I was like, oh, wow, he's moving on and he's sad, but he's going to make it through there. And then it's like, oh, no, we've got more movie for you. And I was right, like, do yeah. you really? Do you really? Um. So the the Willis character arc I don't think is earned, but other than that, I thought I much preferred Wacky Willis at the end. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, that to me felt like where Bruce started having fun. I didn't bu- I didn't buy for a second when he was trying to stop uh, the character of Nadia from wreaking havoc. Uh, in that in that dinner scene when she starts tearing off the yeah. with jacket pocket, which I don't have you ever seen someone just rip a jacket pocket off? I have never seen that before, and the fact that that was just no. a running gag through this whole movie, I found was <laughs> was delightful. Yeah, there was another like few good writing bits in the movie that I I was surprised that I liked, like the whole oh, I just love candy, like actually came back at the end. And I was like, all right, all right. I, I could I could see where they were going with that. It it makes me happy if a, if a movie has writing that tries. And this movie's writing does try a lot. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I always appreciate that sort of stuff. I agree. Um, so Blake Edwards directed this, and he worked with Dale Launer, uh to write it and it was produced by Tony Adams and I believe all of them had worked together on Pink Panther uh, works Mm. throughout the years prior Um, their career had a lot of Pink Panther in it and I I didn't know that before going into this but after learning that you can see that element of comedic uh, storytelling Definitely comes out, especially in the latter half of that movie. But one of my like favorite running gags is the ex-boyfriend character, David, played by John Larroquette, who just keeps running his car into things, <laughs> including a, a a flower, like a baking flower yeah. f- factory or whatever. And oh my god! It, like the walls are made of cardboard and the inside of the factory is just like... <laughs> in and of itself a flower bag that it just like poofs out uh or, i was like what sort of nonsense is the yeah. storage capacity within this place so that those moments when that car ran into that uh um 
those the the paint shop and the pet store and the flower store that's when i mm-hmm. really started to get on board with this movie up until then i thought it was a very generic rom-com uh that was just going like <clears throat> i would have placed it solely in the rom-com category but those slapstick moments made me kind of realize much more of the potential that was that was coming up for me yeah, I guess the thing that I wasn't as crazy about is that none of those like moments felt like they had like a build up and then an earning moment too. Like if at the beginning when we are introduced to David, he's like, "Hey, listen, lady, there's three things that I hate more than people who leave me, and that's pets, flower, and whatever the fuck he ran into, and paint." And then he runs into those three things. I would have appreciated it more. All of them just felt like it was like, "Uh, here we go again." For me, but your mileage obviously varied. And I also probably should say, I don't really like slapstick at all. So like, uh, <laughs> this probably isn't really the movie for me if I'm if I'm responding that way, I think. You but, know, I didn't think of myself as someone who enjoyed slapstick either, but I'm wondering if maybe my uh, tone is changing because I do find slapstick comedy to be like one of the funnier t- comedies that I enjoy. Are slapstick movies. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't think that this movie deserves higher praise than what it got. I think Roger Ebert gave it two and a half out of uh, four stars. So I think that's like a square yeah. rating for this movie. Yeah, that's pretty much what I gave it on uh, um, Letterboxd. I think I gave it one and a half stars. That, so. Yeah, that's a fair, fair ranking. What do you think about the role that alcohol plays in this movie um i don't know it's interesting the i feel like the alcohol was maybe like a little bit too cliche for me um because like people that are actually like allergic to alcohol at least my coworker who was she would just like get affected really quickly and then get very sick very quickly and so we didn't really see her get sick. She just went crazy. And I was like, I don't I don't know that I totally buy it, but I I did like their commitment to it. So like <laughs> it's kind of a catch 22. Like you didn't really get me with it on the beginning, but because you're following through with your <laughs> your idea, I guess I'm on board. I don't know. That's kind of how I felt with it throughout. And then the alcohol usage towards the end of the movie was very satisfying from a narrative point of view, pretty problematic from a like moral point of view, <laughs> but it was, uh, overall the, the end bit of the movie, like the last 20 minutes. I think I liked that more than I liked the rest of it, but it was so disconnected from the rest of it that it was like hard for me to appreciate it. I don't know. I agree. I think if they had fast forwarded the actual blind date of the date a little more, that mm-hmm. ending scene really starting with when Walter Davis, the character played by Bruce Willis, when he goes to court and there's that ridiculous judge. And then uh, you find out David comes in and is his defense attorney. And then you find out later that David's the judge's son, which I have <laughs> has to be against some sort of uh, law that you can have a judge parent uh preside over a case that has that has a son in it but there was a joke about 
David makes a joke about swearing on his mother's grave, and the the dad the dad judge makes a comment about how she's still alive. And then when you realize that they're all family, that joke uh, plays even better. But st- yeah. starting from there, that, uh, the actor that plays the judge is like real comedian Broadway actor. Like he was in uh, Seventeen Seventy Six, the musical about John Adams. Um, and like signing the Declaration of Independence, and he's really good in it. So I was kind of surprised to oh, see wow. him in this, but I thought that he was great in his role. Yeah, he wasn't really in it that much, but he was pretty good whenever he was on screen. Yeah, I loved, I loved his role. Um, starting from there, I enjoyed it a lot more than the first part of the movie. Let me ask you something. Other than the car scenes, do you think that this would have worked pretty well as a stage play? Um. I think it's possible. I think the the movie is pretty high paced and relies a lot on scene transitions. So they go from yeah. car to nightclub to jail to bedroom to wedding. And I think a lot of that um, would be harder to do, harder to do on stage where you have to like do some massive set. Uh, rearranging um yeah i don't know the i guess the only reason why i was thinking about that is that there's like maybe three or four scenes that are like really really long scenes like very extended sequences at certain places like there's like the dinner sequence that goes on for like quite a while the sequence at the art museum before that went on for a little bit um the nightclub one goes on for a hot minute and then that like court scene and the final scene as well. There's like a lot of like really long scenes. It feels like, but that was, I guess the main reason why I was asking it. Yeah. I think I, what I kept thinking about this movie was it's like someone took a collection of Monty Python sketches and decided to make a movie about it. Now, maybe that's be- just because mm-hmm. Monty Python revels in w- witty wordplay and slapstick, which this movie has both of. So my I may have just mm-hmm. been making the mental connection. But take, for example, the dog at the end of the movie. The dog is always barking at Bruce Willis and like always finding him. And then the... Um, the butler character is having to run around oh and take God. care of him. And then, <laughs> then you see him like ch- lure him into a cage. There's a whole bit about him getting lured into a cage. Uh, that part, I like as soon as he grabbed the whip off of him or not the whip, the belt off of his body. I was like, Oh no, he's going to totally whip the dog. It's that time of like movie making, isn't it? And then he like does something arguably worse. And I was like, Oh no, I was not ready for that much skin. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, I was just like, what on earth? <laughs> yeah. Same. It was a, it was a lot that like end bit was pretty great though. And like, this butler guy, he gets introduced like 20 minutes of the movie left and he's like one of the best characters yeah, in the movie. I agree. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. We haven't talked a lot about and our personal histories with Bruce Willis and his overall movie collection. There's a lot I haven't seen. 
But yeah, can you see any of the work he's doing in this movie uh, progressing? Or do you find modern day Bruce Willis to be pretty unrecognizable from this character? Um, You know, like Bruce Willis has a really good like, man, I'm just I'm trying to do my job, man, like sort of character. And um, you could see that in this movie. Um, like, I guess, uh, like every movie that he's in kind of feels like it has like a Bruce Willis freak out moment and that you could definitely see like how that kind of is in this moment. And then it just gets kind of like a better from there. Like, um, I guess I haven't seen tons and tons of his movies, so I'd have a hard time saying, what do you think? Uh, I agree that his Bruce Willis at the end of the rope uh, is a is a shtick that we will see a lot of. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that surprised me the most about this movie, and it probably shouldn't if I had um, read anything about it beforehand, but was how funny it was. Because I feel like when I think of Bruce Willis, I think of kind of a grumpy action star who's kind of pulled into kind of a uh, similar to maybe the rock or other, other actors who are action stars, but they can be tricked into having a good time uh, in, Mm -hmm. in movies. So they'll usually start their character arc is like grumpy living alone. And like a kid will come along and redeem them. And then at the end, they're like a dad, but grumpy. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger also plays Arnold. A, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, also plays a lot of those, a lot of that role. Uh, and I feel like a lot of later movies in Bruce Willis's line of work, I don't see him having as much of a good time. He's not enjoying himself as much as I see in this movie, especially at the at the point in this movie where he decides that he's going to get drunk and have his revenge on Nadia. Uh, mm-hmm. He just looks like he's having a wonderful time uh, dancing around that room, taking all the food from people, throwing food at people. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) That is a ridiculous Bruce Willis that I don't think we see much of uh, in his later work. I will say that like he, he does have some pretty great comedic chops. He's got some like really good timing and stuff like that. And um, one of my childhood favorite movies over the hedge, he plays one of the main characters and he's just great in that movie as well. So well, I think that he's still got it. He just doesn't really get asked to do those sorts of roles that often. He does some funny stuff in red as well. Now that I think about it, but those are like the only ones that I can think of, but I am excited to see more movies where he does stuff like this and he's just having a good time. One of the things we want to do on where there's a Willis, there's a way podcast is rank this each film against the other movies that Bruce Willis has done. Now, Josh, what is this episode number? Mm-hmm. This is episode number one. So I feel like we're going to have a little bit of a challenge, but I'm going to go ahead and put this movie at number one of movies we've rated. I'm going to say that out of all the movies that I've seen for this podcast, this is, this is the actually the least good one. Oh, so wow. I'm going to put it at the bottom of the pile. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, but it still gets a number one. Because we've only seen one movie. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well, I guess you'll have to tune in next week, next time, next episode to yeah to to, to determine if we bump this movie up or if it stays at the top slash bottom. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see because it's like the same director again. So maybe they hit their stride and they are able to like pull it out there at the end. But I have I have no idea. <laughs> so. For just so you guys are aware, oh my god, it has sound effects. <laughs> just so you guys are aware, um, we've got a uh, like wheel of Willis that we're gonna spin at the end of every episode, and there's just gonna be like a random question on there, so we can uh, kind of go through there and ask what we think about that sort of question and answer it for each movie. Um, and then if you guys want to submit them, you can feel free to do that. Uh, we'll throw our email up at the end as well, but. The question for this Wheel of Willis is, this character by Bruce Willis, do you fuck, marry, or kill if you had to choose? Uh, man. I'm going to say fuck. Yeah? Yep. I think, uh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a marriage man with this guy. He's like, he's a hard worker. You could see that he's persistent. He's, uh... No stuff about cars, which is better than me. Um, but yeah, that's a very respectful answer. I'd be mad at you if you said kill, but <laughs> the fuck is a totally perfectly fine answer for that. Yeah. Uh, I really expected to go into this movie. We didn't really talk about their relationship very much. Um, Nadia and, yeah. Nadia and uh, Walter's relationship. But I was expecting this to be kind of a classic 80s misogynistic rom-com where he mistreats mm-hmm. her the whole time but i found it really funny how sh- hard of a time she gave him most of the movie and mm-hmm. uh he seemed like a good partier though so that's why i think if i was gonna bone a bruce willis character this wouldn't be this <laughs> wouldn't be a bad one yeah i i i can feel that um Something else I will say is that though this movie doesn't have too much misogyny, it does have a lot of like very, very, very bad. Oh, yeah. Xenophobic Japanese stuff. Oh, yeah. So much. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like there's one part where like the character is like, I don't speak English. And they say like, I know speak English over and over and over again. I'm just like the script writer. He's. Hopefully he's getting paid by the line because he's made this character say that same line like seven times. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's dated in that aspect. Um, One thing that I was going to mention that I totally forgot to is um, I was actually really impressed by how many long takes there were in this movie. Like him going up to his office is like a really big long take him uh, talking with his buddy about. Um, his like limo experience was like another really long take. And there's just a lot of them in the movie if you're watching for them, which means that there was definitely a lot of rehearsal time and effort put into it. And I think that you can see that in a lot of the comedic scenes because they, they really do feel like they're playing basically the best that they could be. Um, It's just, I have little bones to pick here and there with the writing. But other than that, I thought that it was, I thought it was a fine Bruce Willis movie. 
Would you say you were surprised, disappointed, or as expected when with uh, after watching this movie? Um, I actually was hoping for a little bit more uh, romance between the two of them. Like, I feel like in like part of a rom com is being able to sell the like really good chemistry, and I didn't really buy their chemistry through like ninety five percent of the movie, like. Sometimes it was okay, but usually I was like, I don't really buy that you guys are like strangers at first sight falling for each other. It's like a lot of like um, them doing like stares like and this is not at all on Kim Bassinger. She's doing a great job, but I don't really feel like Bruce Willis is a actor that just gives off a lot of energy in the stuff that I've seen him in. Mostly he kind of feels like he's more of a a concrete pillar where he's really dependable, but he isn't like the most like charismatic person. And I feel like that's probably a part of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, one thing I was going to ask about is what, what did you think about the usage of alcohol in the movie? Cause you asked me about it and I'm curious to know. Um, I thought it was an interesting plot device. I, I felt like the, kind of off on ability for um, the ridiculousness was a little bit over the top. I didn't like how it was one sip of champagne and suddenly she becomes this wackadoo ridiculous character. Mm -hmm. Uh, There would, if I, if I think we could have seen that the character of Nadia with a little more range, if you had seen her, um, with both a ramp up and a ramp down, she goes from straight manic to hungover really quickly. Um, one, yeah. one thing I did like about it, though, was they used it as a way for her to uh, be like a strong, no holds barred female character, which I don't feel mm-hmm. like was super common then. And I don't know. I think this movie could have been done today without the alcohol and just having being um, her being more brash than what Bruce Willis expected. And then he kind of starts to fall in love with like her brashness and not having the off on switch of alcohol, making her um, kind of ridiculous because I feel like her in that, in the, in the diner or not in the, in the restaurant where She's telling people kind of what she thinks. She's speaking French, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, standing up to um, the maitre d' and and the waiter as they kind of talk down to Bruce Willis and he doesn't know how to pronounce the French words. I think that's like the character that we kind of enjoy. But then to make it it seem like, oh, we have to give her alcohol in order to make her this crazy person uh, is kind of a bummer. And then at the end... Um, like we read in the in the it's kind of a dated idea in the in the in the in the description movie description that we read, um, they're drinking they're drinking coke on the beach. So oh, that was the thing I didn't get. I was like, oh ha ha ha, Coke's got to get their like sponsorship in there. And then once I read instead of champagne, I was like, oh my god, I'm a big dumb. Yeah, of course they wouldn't have champagne. Yeah, but. Um. Yeah. Interesting. Funny times. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. This, uh, I mean, who knows? I don't know anything about Bruce Willis, so we'll see if he goes up from here. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, so this movie, um, I'm going to pull up the box office for it real quick. So it made... Um, 39,000, no, 39 million. Woo, 39,000. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to pay off one guy's rough. car. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think that we have a budget for it, so I have no idea how much it made, but I don't think that it made enough money to where it was, um, they wanted to see like a sequel or anything like that. Um, okay, so the... Total worldwide earnings is about forty million for this movie, and it had an estimated yeah. budget of eighteen million. So yeah, it definitely made its money back. I I am curious as to if people were talking about sequels then as much as they are today. Again, you have to remember Bruce Willis was kind of uh, not the big movie star he is today. He was he was a television star that people. Mm-hmm. We're tentatively casting in a movie. So would you watch a sequel of this movie? Blind Date 2? You know, I would for this podcast. <laughs> I don't think I would. I don't think I would otherwise. Uh, I'm probably with you. I think if they did a Blind Date 2 set in 2020 with the same actors. Oh, I'd be down for that. That, uh... That could be, I would, I would enjoy that unequivocally. Yeah. If they did like this in like 1989 though, I don't think I would be on for that. I think I would be. Yeah. Probably. That would probably be a no, a no go for me. Yeah. I agree. Thanks everybody for watching where there's a Willis. There's a way. Um, just wanted to remind everybody that you guys can follow us on Willis way pod at Twitter or you can send us an email at williswaypod at gmail.com and follow us on your podcast delivery service of choice. Um, Kendrick, if you're interested in following him on his accounts, you can follow him on uh, Instagram and Twitter at kmartinix. Um, and then you can also go to kmartinix.com for all of his work. And then you can find me on Twitter, Josh at joshing carter next time we're going to be covering 1988's sunset directed by blake edwards so join us then thanks everybody